it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz on this fine Wednesday, April 28th. Ben, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everyone? How's it going? One day until the NFL draft. Yep, perfect segue right there by Ben. This is going to be an all-NFL draft podcast for you guys. We got everything for y'all. To be honest with you guys, I would have liked to get this out to y'all a little bit sooner, but one, me and Ben are not scouts, nor do we have sources within the NFL. Two, information changes daily on this. Y'all seen how crazy everything is. I mean, Mac Jones went from like a minus 200 to a plus 150 back to like a minus 300 to a minus 500 back to a minus 150. I mean, like we would have put together something for y'all last week and it would have been completely wrong this week we'd have done the same thing on monday so figured why not try to get as accurate as we can today probably half this will be wrong tomorrow but ben before we get down to it let's go ahead and talk about the first thing that kind of screwed up our entire mock draft we put together and gave me a lot more stress to add on to a stressful day of work and that is the denver broncos trading for quarterback teddy bridgewater from the carolina panthers ben you want to give us the details of this trade and kind of what your analysis of it is yeah so it sounds like um you know, Bridgewater, he, he's going He's going from Carolina, who just brought in mm-hmm. Sam Darnold. Um, they're shipping Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos, as you said. But the Panthers are going to still be paying a majority of his salary. They're going to mm-hmm. be paying $7 million of it. I think the Broncos play, pay the rest of it, which I think is somewhere between 3 and $4 million. Um, I, You know, in my opinion, I would say this was the only way the Broncos would do this deal. Um, if, if you guys recall, Teddy Bridgewater – got signed by the Carolina Panthers to a deal that I think a lot of people thought he was being paid a lot for really what he had shown up into that point. Um, he was a little, he was a starter for a little while in Minnesota. He was decent. Um, and then he was the Saints starting quarterback when Drew Brees was having the injury problems. And if I recall correctly, went undefeated there. Um, and then just got paid a ton to go to Carolina. It didn't really work out. Um, and then, then Carolina brought in a new coach, um, and it just seemed like they it wasn't his guy. That's not really who he wanted. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of inevitable for him to move. And listen, the Broncos have really, really struggled drafting, uh, specifically John Elway since he's been there. And I think this is this this is them trying a different outlet, trying a different way to bring in a quarterback. Um, I, I don't think you can say with confidence that Drew Locke is your guy. So I think this brings in a lot of competition. I think it's best man who wins the job. Yeah, I like a lot of your analysis there, Ben. Denver has definitely struggled. Um, like I said earlier, I had Denver trading up with Atlanta in my original mock to get our pick. So really kind of screwed my entire mock up. But um, I honestly think it's a great move by Denver. I personally am not one who buys into the Teddy Bridgewater hype. I never have. And I mean, not sorry, not Teddy Bridgewater. I never bought in the Drew Lock hype. I never have, never will. Always thought he was overrated. Didn't think he was ever the quarterback that could get you over the top. I think Denver's low-key stacked. I mean, KJ Hamler's speedy. I think he's having a good second year. Um, obviously, Cortland Sutton will be back. They have Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. So, I mean, you have so much young talent on this offense. And I just think that it's an offense that got more talented by getting Teddy Bridgewater. And they look, Teddy's not the kind of guy who's going to just make crazy plays or anything like that, but he's very good at at distributing the ball. I mean, I forgot Noah Font too, another young star on that offense. Um, But he's just a guy who can distribute the ball well, get a lot of people involved. And like you said, you know, he creates kind of a competition here. I personally think it's a great move by Denver. Why not go ahead and use this uh, first round pick just to get to strengthen another, um, 
or to strengthen another um, non-strength for this team and make them a little bit better in a spot where they're lacking. I think it's the best move personally for them. So I think Denver got a home run here. I mean, the fact that they got Carolina to play half this, half the contract is a huge steal. And the Broncos have really upped their offensive weapons, um, really for any quarterback who wants to play. I mean, they drafted Jerry Judy. They drafted KJ Hamler. You mentioned Noah Font at tight end. Uh, they also have Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton, who's been a pretty reliable target uh, when he's not injured. I think he was injured last season, but uh, they have guys to throw to. They don't have a consistent guy to get those weapons the ball. Um, and you know what? It's kind of interesting because Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke are like very different quarterbacks. Drew Locke is a gunslinger, throw the ball downfield um, type of quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is more of your completion percentage, yeah. short to medium yard routes. Um, yeah. I think whoever wins the competition, I, I think it's a solid step for them because if Drew Locke wins, then that means he's gotten better from last season in the eyes of the Denver Broncos uh, head coach and GM and, and everything like that. I think if Bridgewater wins, you get a veteran who doesn't turn the ball over necessarily that much. And he's a guy that he's just going to get the ball into your playmaker's hands and you're just going to rely on the guys you've drafted to make plays for you. And they have a lot of guys that can make some plays. Yeah, no, absolutely. This Denver Broncos offense is absolutely stacked up. And like you said, you a lot of guys who make plays. So I think Bridgewater is a perfect distributor. And, you know, that's probably the first of many trades we're going to see in the next couple of days. There'll be a lot of trades going around in this NFL draft. But, yeah, Denver definitely went out and got better and, you know, made themselves more competitive in a very hard division that's only going to keep getting better. I mean, now you got Justin Herbert in that division. You got Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr. So, very competitive division there, like we said. Interested to see what these other teams do. Who is the offensive lineman, by the way, Kansas City's traded for? They got a couple in the offseason. They um, traded for um, – what's his face on the Ravens the the other day? I can't remember who it is. but we Stanley? Always, I think it was Ronnie Stanley. No. Or was it uh, Trent Brown? Or Trent Ooh. Brown on the – shoot. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head right now. But anyway – um, I think also, Orlando Brown Jr. Yes, that that's exactly who it is, is, Orlando Brown. And they got, for some reason, I feel like they signed someone else before they made that trade. Yeah, no, they, they did. Got, okay, yeah. Yeah, because Mahomes and Kelsey both took, and Christian Jones all took pay cuts so they could go out and make the move. So, And I think they got rid of Eric Fisher, who at one point was like the number one overall pick. Yeah, no, they did. I mean, Fisher, though, now has had two big-time leg injuries, so they're kind of like, all right, we got to dump this one. Um, anyway, though, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be an interesting draft here to see what happens with all that. But honestly, Ben, I think this is going to be one of the craziest drafts we've seen yet. I mean, it was a weird college football season, you know, with teams opting out, teams not playing games and whatnot. Um, on top of all that, with it being a weird season and everything, also, too, um, you know, there's guys that opted out, like, for example, Mika Parsons. We didn't see him play for an entire season. I mean, this is a guy who's thought to be a top three pick. Now, all of a sudden, he finds himself. I mean, I've heard him falling out of the first round. I've seen him going top 15. I'm personally of the belief that he's going to stay in probably that 15 to 32 range. But it's just crazy with all the uncertainty and everything. I mean, I think if anything, teams are going to want to get more up to the top of this draft and pick within the, you know, I think like there's 15 players, you know, which you're going to get for sure. And I think we're going to see teams do whatever they can to get one of those players. Well, I mean, you mentioned opt-outs that could make uh, the draft a little crazy, but also no, no combine. Um, I, yeah, I know that, that I know that players had um, 
the, their pro days at their respective colleges. But yeah. that's, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the same as the combine. So, um, you know, evaluators weren't allowed to see everything they could in every single prospect. I think, I think every team has one to three guys that for their first selection of the draft that they're going between. I think they have enough information for your first round pick. If you don't, I mean, uh, you just don't pay attention to college football scouting or film at all because there's enough film for, for first round picks. Um, I think later as the draft keeps going on in, in not necessarily just round one, um, I think you, you're going to find guys who are like, wow, like, you know, did he opt out in 2020 or I don't remember him or, or just be like, God, how did he fall that far? I think there's going to be some chaos as the draft kind of goes on. I think the first 10 picks, which you and I are going to cover today, um, I don't think there's going to be that many picks, if any, that's going to make someone's jaw drop and be like, wow, why did they pick him there? Yeah. Like, I don't think there's going to be that, but I think as the draft goes on, I think you'll start to see the chaos kind of pick up, and that's either going to be through trades or uh, just a pick that kind of surprises you. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that. There's definitely going to be some guys who drop you shouldn't. There's going to be some guys who go where they shouldn't, and you know, you're just going to have to be like, all right, I trust my GM. I trust he knows what he's doing. you got to trust the scouting department. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why you pay these guys. So hopefully they'll figure it out and make the right moves. Um all right, Ben. I see we get down to it, man. Let's do our top, do our uh, top ten mock draft. Um, I'll start things off here with the number one overall pick. With the number one overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be on the clock. I have them taking Trevor Lawrence. Um, I assume you have the exact same thing as well, Ben. I do. It seems like the picks has already been official for a while. Yeah, so I'm saying the pick's been official ever since the Jags pretty much landed the first overall pick. No mystery there with that one. Um, I don't even think we really need to waste time on it. We've talked about it plenty enough. Let's go to the number two pick. Um, I think we're going to have the same thing here again. I have the New York Jets selecting uh, Zach Wilson. Um, what about you, Ben? I have Zach Wilson. Listen, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – all of uh, the experts on ESPN and NFL Network, I mean, they're all saying it's a lock for Zach Wilson. I don't think there's any reason to think that they're going to go otherwise. And if they do, then you just chalk it up to, wow. The Jets just Jets because they just did something that no one saw coming. Yeah, I personally don't think the Jets will do something like that. But, you know, I feel like that uh, Zach Wilson has been this guy for a while that everybody's been high on and thinks he's going to go really, really high. So I think that I just don't see any way, you know, the Jets don't end up picking him. How good do you think Zach Wilson's going to be in the pros? I mean, right away, I'm, not, I'm never going to expect too much out of a rookie quarterback. Um, I also think the Jets – um, so they have the 23rd pick as well. I think they desperately need to get the, to get whoever they're going to take at quarterback. We're going to say Zach Wilson. I think they have to get him weapons because if you don't, then you're just starting all over with Sam Darnold. You drafted a guy that is considered to be very talented, but if you don't give him help, I don't know how much you can really expect from him. So I think the jets have done a very good job. Um, specifically last draft. I think they had a, I think they had a strong draft. And listen, I think they still need some offensive line help. I mean, to be honest with you, every single team in the NFL, except for maybe the Cowboys when they're fully healthy, can use offensive line help. There's no such thing as a perfect offensive line. Um, and you have to protect your quarterback to give him any chance. And you have to give him weapons to throw to. I don't think Sam Darnold ever had a real fighting chance in New York. 
Um, I, I wouldn't consider any of the targets he threw to to be that good. I think Robbie Anderson was probably his best one. Um, so if you don't get Zach Wilson help, I think you're starting all over again. But I think the Jets are a little bit smarter now with their new GM in uh, drafting than they have been in the past. So you got to get Zach Wilson help for in order for him to have a fighting chance to be good. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. He's got to get help. He's got to be supported. Um, hopefully Robert Saul has done a good job here with – everything that they've done um i believe they brought in they brought in uh, matt lafleur's brother as their as their uh offensive coordinator so hopefully he's got some of that same mojo that shanahan and lafleur have in the past but i agree with you man i mean zach wilson when you look at him paper he has everything i have some questions about his performance in college and whatnot i think there's a lot of question marks with almost all these quarterbacks in in here i think it's just got to be if he's put in the right system and everything i think he's got the tools we'll see if he can put it all together at the nfl level everyone's pretty high on him so you know shout out to zach wilson for being able to get that second overall pick coming from byu um here at the number third overall pick i don't think there's really any mystery in it i hinted at it earlier but the San Francisco 49ers will be on the clock. Kind of funny. Kyle Shanahan gave us probably the first big quote of draft week. And that was when asked if Jimmy Garoppolo will still be on the roster next week. He said, I can't even guarantee you anybody's going to be alive tomorrow. So how could I guarantee you something like that? Um, I don't know if it's his way of telling Garoppolo, you better start competing or he's out. What he's trying to do with that. It was hilarious though to hear it. I have the San Francisco 49ers selecting Mac Jones here at the pick. My reasoning being is, I think Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's the kind of quarterback that he likes. You know, he likes that pocket passer who's going to stand in there and make plays for him. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Matt Ryan, you know, and Shanahan with the sync up they had. He's got all the weapons. He's got the run game. He's got the offensive line, got the tools he needs to succeed. Mac Jones just has to come in here and distribute the ball. And also, too, I think Mac Jones got a little bit of a – of, you know, a uh, chip on his shoulder, like him coming out of college, you know, everybody's saying that, you know, Mac Jones played at Alabama. He was only that good because of the players he played with. All these Alabama players are vouching for Mac Jones being that good. I mean, Tua didn't go as far as Mac Jones did with this team. There's been plenty of Alabama quarterbacks with more talented teams than Mac Jones had. Didn't go as deep. I think Mac Jones comes out here and says, I'm that good. I can do it and proves it in the NFL. What say you, Ben? I have, I have Mac Jones going to the 49ers, but I don't think – like he is not the third best prospect in this draft. I I don't really think he's that close to being anywhere near that level of prospect. Um, but I think it. I think he'll be picked three because of scheme and fit for all the reasons you said about Shanahan. Um, and, and listen, Mac Jones is a good decision maker. And if people want to say he had all the success at Alabama because of talent, I mean. Wh- what's your excuse for all the other Bama quarterbacks? Like, I mean, Bama is, does not have many good quarterbacks in the NFL and Bama has had top tier talent since what? 2008, 2009. I mean, they, um, they, it, it's, listen, I get it. Like Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, um, they're going to be first round picks. Jerry Judy was a first round pick. Like I get that, but it's not just a product of your environment. It's Bama has had so much talent since the Nick Saban era began and not every player becomes successful. It's what you do with your opportunity. And I think the opportunity that Mac Jones has, if he's drafted third overall by the San Francisco 49ers 
is he's getting a coach that one believes in him because there's kind of rumors. Um, th- there's kind of like rumors swirling around that the only person in the 49ers uh, facility that wants Mac Jones is Kyle Shanahan. The GM kind of wants someone else. The scouting department wants someone else. But you have a coach that's supposed to be one of the better coaches with quarterbacks and offenses. So it's kind of hard to go against your play caller, in my opinion. So I think it's just scheme and fit is why Mac Jones is going to get a third. I don't think he's the best player to take in this situation. But I think he's got a coach that truly believes in him. And I don't think Mac Jones is going to be thrown into the fire week one. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, this is still his job. And if it's not, then I have a lot of concerns with Kyle Shanahan as a coach because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo has done anything to lose his job. Like his record as a starting quarterback for the 49ers is something like 22 and eight. Like where, where do you get that record from anywhere else? Like he's been a productive quarterback. You just want to see more out of him. So I I still have Mac Jones going third um, because of scheme and fit. Yeah. Um, I like you said, Ben. Back on back to the, um, Shanahan being on the other side of his, of his uh, co- or his uh, of the organization. You know, with the pick, I personally think that Shanahan kind of got this news out here early that they wanted Mac Jones to kind of get everybody used to it. You know, and make people not sound as surprised when they pick Mac Jones. Also, too, you know, I don't think drafting Trey Lance and letting him sit behind Mac or behind uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the worst idea ever. I personally think Trey Lance is going to be a beast. I just think he might need a little bit more time. We haven't really seen him that much. I just, I mean, even you did too in our in our uh, podcast mock. I'm pretty or in our um, big board rankings. I'm pretty sure you put him second. So you know, we're both on the same page with Trey Lance being that good. I feel like that's what the organization wants. It's what Shanahan wants. But if Shanahan thinks he can win now with him, I say you got to go ahead and do it. You know, when you have a coach as good as Shanahan, you Super Bowl windows are only open for so long. You have to go what can win for you here and now and not the future when you're in a win-now situation like Arizona or like San Francisco. Yeah, Yeah, and something interesting, if they happen to go with Trey Lance and kind of I think would shock a lot of people now, especially with how like FanDuel and these betting sites have Mac Jones' Mm -hmm. odds at number three. But if if they went with Trey Lance, I mean, a a really common connection is, well, their starting quarterback is also a guy that came from a D2 school. Not a lot of people believed in him out of high school. I mean, that's, that's the same story with Jim DeGaroppolo, right? So I, I think I, – I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is the type of player that if they draft a quarterback, is he going to mentor them? Like, I have no idea. That is a really tough ask for, to ask Jimmy Garoppolo to mentor someone when that person's trying to steal his job. There is not everyone that is willing to do that. Um, so that's going to be interesting with him. Yeah, no, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see – what goes down here in San Francisco, that's kind of when the draft really starts there at that number three pick. I'm pretty confident. We're both pretty confident to be Jones. Number four, Ben, our Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. We're not only going to use this time to tell you guys what our pick is, but talk a little Falcons draft as well. Ben, who you got the Falcons taking here for? So from what I've read is um, you know, there was a rumor that the Lions tried to trade for the fourth pick and that the GM, the new GM for the Falcons, his asking price is kind of high, uh, which honestly I don't blame him. So I think I think if they were to trade it, I think it, it would be the Patriots. And I think if you're the Falcons, the asking price is someone like Gilmore at corner. That that's a glaring need for the Falcons, and that's one of the best in their position. That's one of the best at his position. And 
honestly, I, I think New England would get rid of him. To get their fourth pick, like New England has several needs to get back to where they think they want to be. Um, but for now, for my mock draft, I'm going to have the Falcons stay at four. And at that point, if you're staying at four, you have no choice but to take best player available. I, I think that's Kyle Pitts, man. I think he could just do so much. If you want to light him, line him up at tight end and have the two tight end set that a decent amount of teams have uh, been very uh, successful with in the NFL because they have Hayden Hurst, who's, who's a very uh, – I think he's a very good tight end. I think he's a quality tight end. If you want to do that, if you want to line Pitts up at receiver, he can do that. So I, I think if you stay at four, you just take best player available. Um, and the Falcons, listen, I, I get that they need a lot of help on the defensive end. They could use some offensive linemen, this and that, blah, blah, blah. You take best player available at this position, and you use the rest of your picks for your need. They have five other picks. I don't think if you draft an offensive player, then your draft is ruined. Because I don't think if you draft a defensive player at four, first of all, there's not a defensive player that's good enough to be drafted at four. There's just not. There is no Chase Young. There's no Clowney. There's no Jeff Akuda. There's not. There's not one that's in this draft, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I think if the Falcons use the rest of their picks on defensive players, you can still have a successful draft. You just have to player develop. And that comes on your coach, and that comes on your player development program. Um, I agree with everything you said right there, Ben, honestly. Um, I was in the same boat as you. I honestly had Denver trading up here with us at four. It screwed up my entire mock draft. But like I said, like you said, the Falcons use this pick. It's 150% going to be Kyle Pitts. Like, I don't see any way it's not. Like you said, there's a chance New England maybe moves up. There's a chance some wild card team, like maybe Chicago moves up to get a quarterback. Um, ultimately, though, I think Kyle Pitts is the surefire thing here. And I like the pick for Atlanta. Don't get me wrong. I've been a huge advocate of us trading back. I'll still trade back if we can, just because I think Atlanta needs to address the defensive positions. But at the same time, you can never be mad about getting is what a lot of people call arguably the best offensive weapon in the entire draft. Uh, you just called him that too. You know, Kyle Pitts is a game changer. He's going to open more things up for us in the passing game. It makes me think back on the days when Atlanta had Tony Gonzalez, but this guy's even more dynamic than Tony Gonzalez is. He's like Gronk. He's like Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's that once in a generational tight end that Atlanta is going to get to add to their offense to go along with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. He's going to make this team so much more strong, give Matt Ryan yet again, another weapon. I don't think going with quarterback here is a good decision at all. I mean, if you're going to stick with Matt Ryan, what's the point in drafting somebody you can't help him out? You know, like I just, not only is it doing Matt Ryan a disservice, but it's doing the team a disservice, either trade Matt Ryan or if you're going to draft a quarterback, you know, but I think the Falcons absolutely here are going to use the pick on Pitts. The other thing I want to say too, kind of my logic here with the Falcons draft, just moving on down the board. If we take Kyle Pitts here and we can't go defense, our defense is going to be so freaking bad next year. What's the point in using the second round pick on a defensive player? It's not like we're going to draft somebody in the second round who's going to fix every single problem we have with our defense. There's so many holes. I mean, this is the spot, like you said, you know, where you where you beg that there is a guy like Chase Young on the board. Unfortunately, there's not. You know, it'd be a no-brainer for the Falcons to get a beast edge rusher. I think we got to get a running back in the second round. I mean, if our defense is going to be that bad, maybe do like we did the year we went to the Super Bowl where we just ran the ball down the team's throats and you let the defense rest, you know. If, you're, you don't, if your defense isn't out there on the field for every play, at least if they're well-rested, you know, there's not going to be as many chances for them to mess up if they're not out on the field. So I think we have to get a running back in the second round just to give this offense more of a chance because these running backs are awful right now. 
Yeah, I mean, do you think there's any chance that they that the Falcons go with uh, Sewell or the offensive tackle from Northwestern? Because I mean, let's be honest, Matt Ryan has been sacked way too much. He's not a quarterback that is very mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to run away from pressure. He can run for like a five yard first down, but that's just about it. So, I mean, what are like what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, if, if they stay at four, is it just like is it pits or, or nothing in your opinion? I think it's got to be pits or nothing, you know? I mean, okay. if we had to take somebody who's not Kyle Pitts, I'd want Pina Sewell just because I feel like that when you're using a draft pick up that high, I mean, you got to make it worth it. You know what I mean? I don't think a single one of these defensive players are worth taking inside the top four. I'd be absolutely shocked, to be honest with you, though, if it's not Kyle Pitts. No, I mean, that that works. Um, I was just kind of curious, like, your thoughts on that because – I mean, listen, this Falcons team needs they need they need a lot of help. Um, no, I mean needs so much help, this Falcons team. I mean, this defense is terrible. Um, anyway, let's go here to the number five pick. As coming in at number five, we'll have the Cincinnati Bengals at um co- coming in with the pick. Be honest with you guys, the guy I'm gonna pick here, I do not necessarily agree with the pick, but this is just what I've been told the pick is. And we're trying to make these this uh, mock draft as realistic as possible. Ben, who do you have the Bengals taking? So I agree with you. Um, I honestly don't even know who you're going to say because we didn't we didn't correspond before this. I don't think this is. I mean, I think they need help protecting Joe Burrow, especially because he just uh, came off. A, he's coming off a knee injury that held him out for the rest of the season. I think they're going to go Jamar Chase. Um, I think the familiarity with Joe Burrow. The fact that they just got rid of A.J. Green, they don't have a playmaker that you can just point to to say, go make me a play. Like, they don't have that. So I'm going to go with Jamar Chase here. Um, in my opinion, I have him as as the number one wide receiver prospect. Um, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. And I think Joe Burrow would be very happy. Yeah, I mean, I got the number one wide receiver prof- prospect going here as well, Jamar Chase, a guy who caught 20 touchdowns the year before. At uh, at um Ohio State from from uh, or, I mean sorry not at Ohio State at LSU from Joe Burrow, um Chase is an absolute beast. He's gonna open up the field for him, make a lot of plays for him down the field. I personally think that Pina Sewell would be the right pick here. I've everything I'm being told this as Jamar Chase is going here. I mean I think you got to keep Joe Burrow upright if you're gonna invest in number one overall pick on him. And as good as he is and the signs he showed, you got to be able to protect Burrow and keep him healthy. But at least go out and at this case they're going out getting him the number one option. This is supposed to be a very um, deep class at the wide receiver or at the uh, offensive lineman position. So they're pretty confident they can get a good guy in the second round, but that's what yeah, I would do, I, but can't go wrong picking the best wide receiver in the class. Yeah. And I also want to add that um, Jamar Chase was a guy that did opt out um, of this past college football season. He did not play. Um, he was dealing, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had like a spinal injury or something like that, uh, but he is okay. Now he's, he's been okay. I think he had an injury. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the Clemson. I'm thinking of Justin Ross. Oh, my bad. Uh, but Jamar Chase did opt out. And it's not going to hurt him. Um, he's just a freak. I mean, just so talented. But I, w- I want this on the record because if, if people don't remember, Jamar Chase was arguably LSU's best receiver on the national championship team. And Justin Jefferson was on that team. And we yeah. saw how good he looked in the NFL. And Jamar Chase was just as good, if not even a little bit better. So, I mean, the talent, the upside – listen, if Justin Jefferson did what he did in his rookie season, 
There's no reason Jamar Chase can't put up those numbers as well, especially when they already have a quarterback. When healthy, Joe Burrow looked pretty good. Yep. You hit the nail on the head right there, Ben. I mean, hard to think that Justin Jefferson wasn't the best wide receiver on his team with how good he was last year in the NFL. The number six pick here, we have the Miami Dolphins. I think this is the pick where there's the most uncertainty in the entire draft. Obviously, the Falcons there is still because they could trade trade out of it, but if they make the pick, I think it's pretty obvious. This one right here, though, the Miami Dolphins, I also think is another candidate to possibly trade. But I have them using the pick here to draft another Alabama wide receiver, and that's Jalen Waddell. Um, Jalen Waddell was a guy who, before he got hurt, probably would have won the Heisman Trophy over Devonta Smith, in my opinion. I mean, Jalen Waddell absolutely torched UGA in that game and was going off before he hurt his foot. I think the thing that puts him over Smith in this draft is the fact that he tried to play with that injury. You know, I think people see in a year where a lot of guys try to opt out and whatnot. They saw Jalen Waddell basically said, screw that. If I can walk, I'm playing football. I mean, basically the only reason he didn't play more is because Alabama didn't want him to, you know. So I think this is a guy who's extremely competitive. He's a hard worker. He is freakish speed. I mean, he literally reminds me of Tyreek Hill, and we've seen what the NFL is all about now. I think it makes so much sense to go get Tua, his one of his favorite targets from when he played in college, just like what, just like what we're going to see the Bengals do with Jamar Chase. We'll see Tua and Waddle back together in Miami. I think Jalen Waddle's a home run pick here by the Dolphins. So, I mean, I, I mean, listen, I would love that pick for the Dolphins. I'd love it for Tua. Um, I agree with you about picking an Alabama receiver, but mm-hmm. and I, and listen, I think Waddle, I have Waddle as my number two wide receiver prospect. In this case, though, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. Um, I mean, listen, there's, I could go on for an hour or two about the positive attributes that Devontae Smith is going to bring to your team. When you want to talk hard worker, if you want to go that route, Devontae Smith from his freshman year at Alabama to his senior year, even after the season, after practice, he would stay and catch balls off a machine. And I forgot the number he would do be like a hundred to 150 catches. You want to talk work ethic. This guy it's just ridiculous. And listen, I get it. His he's really skinny. He's not as fat. I mean, he's fast, but he's not as fast as like Waddle. He doesn't have like the breakaway speed off a route, maybe. He runs some crisp routes. He's got unbelievable hands. Listen, he as as a as a guy that went to Alabama when when they had the the big four receiver, when they had all those studs, Devontae Smith had the best hands on the team. This dude does not drop any ball. He's come up in massive moment after massive moment uh his freshman season he caught a slant pass from Jalen uh Hurts at the time won the game it was like 13 seconds left in the fourth quarter against Mississippi State he obviously caught the game winning touchdown from Tua against Georgia in the national championship he came up big literally not a single team stopped Devontae Smith this past year on his way to the Heisman he's just I think everything you want on paper is what he has. Um, he didn't get injured at Alabama. To my knowledge, that was anything as serious as Waddles. So I'm going to go Devontae Smith with this pick with the Dolphins. Um, I think Tua will be very happy with that pick, with the continuity. I mean, listen, he knows these guys very well. Um, they'll just have to get on the same page in terms of the NFL. It's a little bit different, it's a little bit harder, a lot harder. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. I think that – I mean, look, I don't think you'd go wrong with either one of these guys. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong or right, but you're, everything you said about Smith is very true. I mean, 
Smith's a freak, man. Um, let's move here now to the number seven pick. That is the Detroit Lions. Um, ben, what you got them doing here? So I actually have the Lions trading back. Um, I, I think this is another team, kind of like the Falcons, where they just need so much, man, that I think trading back is in their best interest. And I have the Patriots trading with them. Listen, the Patriots need help. Um, I know that they re-signed Cam Newton, and that's exactly why I'm going to have them drafting Justin Fields here. A very similar in terms of – I mean, listen, Cam Newton, uh, there is no quarterback that is his size that can do what he can do other, other than Jamarcus Russell, but Jamarcus couldn't run the football like Cam. I think Justin Fields – and I think Trey Lance too, but I think Justin Fields is that type of guy. And there was a, a video that I saw surface today where when Fields was still in high school at one of these camps, Cam Newton inter, uh, interrupted an interview and said, this kid right here is the best player in high school. He said, if you're a high school kid watching this, you know it's true. You're not better than him. I, I think my, my point is this. like I don't think Cam Newton has any say whatsoever in who the Patriots draft. That's not what I'm saying. I think if the Patriots draft Justin Fields, Cam Newton – will be very willing to help this guy out in terms of his knowledge of the game and things he's he's noticed over his time. Listen, Cam Newton, whether you want to say it or not, I don't think he's that successful now. He's been a successful quarterback. He won an MVP. You can't call him a failure if he has an MVP. And he reached a Super Bowl. I think he's a really good guy to learn from. Um, I think he's kind of a wacko in terms of off the field. But on the field, I think he has a lot of knowledge. And I think the Patriots are going to ride it out with, with Newton for as long as they can. If he's as bad as he was last year, then I think you might make the switch. But I think them picking Fields and or Trey Lance makes a lot of sense for the Patriots. The glaring need at the quarterback position. And both of these guys are fairly similar to what they already have. It's a big physical guy that can run and throw the ball downfield. And Cam Newton – he may not throw the ball downfield that well, but his arm strength has always been there. And we saw from the pro day at Trey Lance, he can throw the ball very far. And we've seen Justin Fields, whether he was um, at Georgia, he didn't really play much, but um, at Ohio State, he can make every throw on the field. So I have the Patriots trading with the Lions, and I have them taking Justin Fields. Ben. I have the exact same thing happening here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you switched. You switched on me. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I still have I still have Trey Lance going inside my top ten, but I've just everything I've heard says the Patriots are in love with Justin Fields, and this is the guy they want. So this is where I have the trade coming up. Like you said, you know, the Lions arguably going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think the way they look at it is let's go ahead and just stockpile for the future. I think they go ahead and do it. And they have golf. They just traded for golf. So they don't need a quarterback. Exactly. I think it makes too much sense for the lions to trade back. Kind of like what the Browns did. Like we need so much help. Let's just keep stockpiling, stockpiling, and we'll get our quarterback when it's time. I like the lions here to trade back with the Patriots, acquire more picks and do their thing here. I think the Patriots take Justin Fields. Like I just said, I'm not – look, when you look at Justin Fields, he didn't lose a game in Big Ten play. Justin Fields played – pretty much showed up in every single college football game he played. He probably had about three bad games last season. He's being – not as only he's being knocked for those, but I think really what he's being knocked for is the fact that he couldn't see the field back at UGA over Jake Fromm. I mean, you look at Jake Fromm, he's horrible in it. I mean, he probably won't even be in the NFL next year. You know, like I'd be shocked if Jake Fromm ever took an NFL snap. That's how bad he is. 
I think Justin Fields is being hurt by this because, you know, people just can't figure it out. They can't put it together, you know. And the last time we watched Fields play, he did not perform very well, although he did ball out against Clemson, so I will give him that. I'm not 100% sold on him. I don't know if New England's going to nurture him the right way. I don't think he really has great weapons in New England, but I think Fields yeah, is a good pick. Not. I think that they're going to – yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think they like they have to – draft and stash him for a little while like you said you know cam newton needs to be the guy to bring him along he's got to learn from cam newton and i mean honestly they're a lot similar quarterbacks fields is a running quarterback you know he needs to learn from cam how to play the position how to run the ball when to tuck it when to spread it and when to go down when to go out of bounds he needs to learn all that from cam newton i think this would be the right spot for him to learn everything he needs to learn in the nfl i got justin fields going here to the patriots at number seven yeah let me say this whoever the patriots draft a plus because the guy that drafted him is the smartest man that's ever put on a headset and coached football. Hey, Belichick maybe, hasn't maybe, been doing... Unless you want to put Bill Parcells or, or some of the older guys, but it, it, since I've been alive, there's no one even close to Bill Belichick. Belichick, though, has been striking out lately on his first-round picks, but I do agree with everything you said. I mean, he still has one of the most... Well, the wide receivers, yeah. he, he can't draft the receiver position. He's, he cannot I mean, to save his life. Um, anyway, let's move here now to the eighth overall pick. This is the Carolina Panthers who just traded away their backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to stick with the trend here and Carolina takes a quarterback. I think they go with Trey Lance. Um, I know Ben's going to have a different pick for you for me, which is great. Finally, we don't agree on something. Actually, I guess we technically didn't agree on who the Dolphins took either, but I like Trey Lance to go here. I feel like it became this became, pick became a reality to me once that Carolina traded away Bridgewater today. I didn't see them having three quarterbacks on their roster, but I think that two sounds very realistic. I think the way they look at it with Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold was never able to tap his potential. New York was kind of, you know, like I feel like New York was done. Like he had already soured it there. There's no chance he could fix. I mean, anything, even if he was like the 12th best quarterback in the NFL, he'd still just be looked at as a bust because of everything that's gone down in New York. I feel like the way they look at it now is we're going to draft Trey Lance, sit him behind Darnold. I mean, for crying out loud, you have Joe Brady, one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL. And you're going to say, if if Darnold cannot succeed here, he can't succeed anywhere. And I mean, worst case, you can always trade Trey Lance and get some, get some uh, value back for him. Therefore, I think they're going to take him here. And I personally like Trey Lance a lot, like we were saying earlier. I think Trey Lance needs some time. We haven't really seen him play that much. We don't know how good he's going to be. I think this gives him a chance here to sit behind Sam Darnold, learn a little bit, get more accustomed to the NFL. And, you know, if Darnold ends up being that good, you can always trade Lance off or you can trade off Darnold, you know? I mean, you got two years to decide what you want to do basically with both these guys, you know? So I think this is the best best pick here for Carolina. There's a lot of things they can do here with the pick. I personally have them taking a quarterback. So the only thing for me is, do they have Sam Darnold for one or two seasons? I heard two earlier today. I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast, and that's what they are saying. But I could be okay, wrong. Okay, so – so if they have him for two seasons, um, I, I'm I think the Panthers go Caleb Fairley here, the corner out of Virginia Tech. Okay. And it's I, I just don't think they go quarterback because I think they have the confidence. I mean, listen, I think they would. I think in in a perfect world they would probably love to give Sam Darnold some competition, but. P.J. Walker didn't play horrible for the Panthers. He didn't play great by any means. He's not a starting quarterback. I think he's serviceable for a backup for now. And I could see the Panthers kind of drafting a quarterback later in the draft. I think with their first-round pick, they would rather go with someone who they can play right away and hope that that guy 
can make an impact right away. And I've heard they like this fairly kid a lot. Now, um, I think he was going to be at the draft, but unfortunately just tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. So he won't be there, but that doesn't affect your draft stock. Um, so I'm going to go Caleb Fairley here. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I've seen Caleb Fairley's draft stock dropping a lot. Could end up being wrong on that one. That's just what I've seen, but I would be shocked. I don't, I, I don't think he's going to be the first corner off the board here, but Carolina is a crap shoot in my opinion. Number eight. I just feel like quarterback makes a lot of sense after trading out Bridgewater today. I think it does too. I, I definitely think quarterback makes a lot of sense. I just don't think they're going to do it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. They need a corner too, though. So, you know, I would not be, I don't think Caleb Fairley will be the first corner taken, but I could definitely see them taking a corner. But I mean, this pick is really where the draft, I mean, it's, it's a crap shoot there at that pick. Um, Number nine pick, we have the Denver Broncos on the clock. Ben and I got the same pick for this one. Ben, you take us away. Pinay Sewell. Um, listen, they don't need any – they do not need a receiver. Now, I don't think you can ever have too many playmakers, but they definitely don't need a receiver. This team just needs help. I, I wish there was an edge rusher for them to take, um, even though they have Von Miller, um, even though they have uh, – uh, Bradley Chubb, who was hurt last year. Both of those guys have been very good. You can't ever have enough pass rushers. At some point, you got to protect your quarterback, and I think it's a glaring need for them. They drafted an offensive tackle. I believe it's Garrett Bowles was his name um, a couple years ago in the first round. I think he's been okay. Um, like I said before, you can never have too much offensive line help. Uh, I think this pick makes sense. I also think he's one of the better prospects that will still be available at this point in time. So I think it's kind of a – if he's there, I think it's a no-brainer for them to take. Yeah, I agree. And he can, can play multiple positions on the offensive line. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's one of the best offensive linemen we've seen come out in a long time. Didn't he opt out this last season? I believe he's another one of those opt-outs, right? He might be. I don't recall 100%. Um, for some reason, I think – yes, I think you're right. I think you are right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was one of the opt-outs as well. But, you know, I am I agree with you, Ben. I think, I think it's a steal that he's still available right here. I would not be shocked even if we saw a team trade up and take him before that. Or, I mean, shoot, even Carolina could take him at eight, you know. But mm-hmm. I think it's a steal here for Denver. Denver's offensive line ranked 25th in the NFL last year in pass protection. So, I think strengthening their offensive line here with Sewell, you already got your quarterback. I mean, you got Melvin Gordon, you got Phillip Lindsay, you got all those wide receivers and tight ends we talked about earlier. Why not go ahead and make this offensive line great? Like you said, Ben, he can play multiple positions. You don't have to stick him at left tackle for right now. You can move him around on that offensive line. I think this pick makes way too much sense here since here for P.A. Sewell if he makes it this far down the draft board at number nine. Um, last pick of our mock is number 10 here with the Dallas Cowboys, and I'll do this pick here for us. I have cornerback J.C. Horn. I think this pick makes way too much sense. Dallas had one of the worst cornerback secondaries in the league last year. This defense was absolutely pathetic. I mean, they were just as bad as the Falcons were, which is really, really bad. Um, they lost Byron Jones two seasons ago. This is their second season without him as he went down to Miami. I think they take J.C. Horn here out of South Carolina. who played in our backyard, Alfred High School, and got his son of Joe Horn, famous NFL wide receiver. And I think they strengthen his secondary. You know, the secondary is bad. This Dallas defense is pretty bad. I think that they go ahead and take the best defensive player available here. I think he will be the first cornerback taken as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes before this. I've seen him absolutely flying down draft boards, or I guess flying up draft boards in this case. Him and Patrick Sertain, in my opinion, are the two best corners in this entire draft. I think both guys you plug and play instantly in the NFL and are studs 
I would love to see the Falcons somehow trade back and take J.C. Horn, but I think J.C. Horn goes 10th year to Dallas. So I agree with the with the secondary pick 100%. Um, I, I'm just going to kind of go with my common theme that I've had in this draft. Um, I don't know why. I mean, it's just something that – maybe this is a homer pick, but um, I'm going to go Pat Sertain Jr. for the Cowboys. Um, you know, reasoning is they just drafted Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama, and mm-hmm. he had a solid rookie season. I think Jerry Jones is just going to be like, listen, these guys, too, these two played together. They they already have a communication part down if you want these two to be your, your corners for the future. Um, obviously, Nick Saban being their coach, who's a defensive-minded coach, I don't think taking a, a secondary player, player out of Nick Saban's um, Alabama program is ever a bad idea because that's literally what Nick's strength is, is he's basically the DB coach. Like, he does – he pretty much does it all for them. Um, so I, I, you can't go wrong. I mean, you can't go wrong with JC Horn. You can't go wrong with Sertain. I think Fairley is also a good prospect. I'm just going to go Sertain because they've already had somewhat early success with a cornerback from Alabama. Why not double up on it? Yeah, I don't hate that pick at all there, Ben. I mean, like, and Jerry Jones, keeping this in mind, which uh, this applies to JC Horn too. Jerry Jones is a big fan of the SEC, he's an Arkansas grad. Yeah, Jerry Jones always loves to seem to get overly involved with everything. So, yeah, I agree with you completely here, Ben. I, I like J.C. Horn going to uh, – I mean, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain going to Dallas. I think they'll be the first two corners selected. Okay, so both me and Ben did not have the fo- a third wide receiver going in our top ten, so that means we got one falling out. I have Devonta Smith falling out. Ben has Jalen Waddle falling out. I mean – I have no idea who's going to be right between the two of us, but one of the two of us will be right, I think. Um, ben, where do you think this next wide receiver will go? In your case, Jalen Waddle. Uh, I don't think he's going to be waiting to hear his name very long because I think the Giants are going to get him. Okay. Um, the Giants need they need receiver help. Um, I think if if you put together a wide receiver core of mm-hmm. um, Evan Ingram, which I'm counting him as a, a tight end receiver, I'm counting that Evan Ingram for when he catches the ball, can be successful, but struggles to catch the ball. Sterling Shepard. And, I mean, who else? Did, I'm, I'm missing someone. Who else do the Giants have? Like, um, this is a glaring... you said that, did you say they signed Kenny Galladay? Kenny Galladay, thank you very much. Yeah, they lost they, Golden they signed... Tate. And they have Evan, did yeah. you say Evan Ingram? I said Evan Ingram. Golden okay. Tate wasn't much for them. Um, so they went out and spent money on a big-name receiver in Kenny Galladay. Unbelievable decision. I loved everything about Kenny Galladay going to the Giants. Mm-hmm. It's time to double up on that and give Daniel Jones. Listen, if you if you draft if you draft Waddle, which in my case is Waddle, you put this receiving core with Saquon coming back. If Daniel Jones cannot have a successful season for this division, successful for this division is nine wins. It's not that high of an asking price. It's really not. I think if he doesn't do that, if he continues the fumbles and the interceptions, then it's an easy decision that he is not your guy because you've given every, him you've given mm-hmm. him the chances. And I think the Giants receiving core, if they draft a receiver, is by far better talent than the Jets ever gave Sam Darnold, and they got rid of him quickly with one of the worst coaches a lot of people have ever seen in Adam Gase. So – and not to mention Joe Judge, a former Alabama assistant coach. I think he, I think if an Alabama player is on the board, I think he's going to snag him up right there. And I think Jalen Waddle, to be honest with you, is a perfect fit. 
perfect fit to go in that slot, to go on the opposite side of Sterling Shepard. Kenny Galladay is going to be on the outside. He's a big guy, big red zone guy. Evan Ingram's a big target. Jalen Waddle's the guy in space, and he can also punt return for you. Yeah, I don't hate that pick at all right there, Ben. Um, I, I I don't know. For some reason, I still don't know if they're going to double down on Jalen, Daniel Jones or not. I feel like they're going to try to strengthen their defense because they had a decent defense last year. I feel like they think if they plug one more guy in there, I think they think Galladay's going to be a huge difference maker and Barkley's coming back. So I think they kind of want to stick what they have there. But, I mean, I – I'm not going to say it's not going to happen though. You know, I don't, I really don't know what's going to happen with that pick, but I think, I think that's a great pick though. If they end up making it, I have them falling one more spot to 12 in mm-hmm. Philadelphia taking, taking Devonta Smith. Um, I mean, Philadelphia, their problems been wide receiver for so damn long. I think if you're going to have Jalen Hurts in there and have him do well, he needs a weapon. Um, Jalen Hurts was also at Alabama with Devonta Smith. I think they get that connection going again. We're going to see the same thing. We're going to see two Alabama quarterbacks link up with one of their old wide receivers. I think him and Jalen Hurts are going to hit things off nice in Philadelphia, and they're going to pair him with Jalen Rager and Alshon Jeffrey and actually have a loaded up receiving core if it can stay healthy for once in Philadelphia. So I, I- you know, kind of an interesting thought that I just had was um, I I know that the Eagles have a new coach. It's not Doug Peterson anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they're kind of going away from what they've kind of done in the past. But the Eagles had Zach Ertz for a long time, and he was very, very good for them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would be that shocked if the Eagles traded all the way up to try and get Kyle Pitts and revamp that tight end because I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Ertz is gone, right? No, Zach Ertz is still on the Eagles. Is he still there? This is, this is last year under contract just because they still have so like I Listen, they need a playmaker at the wide receiver position, but why not go back to the well that your franchise has had so much success yeah. in? And I get that they already have Goddard, who is a pretty good uh, tight end number two on your roster, but he's not the main guy. Like He's good because Zach Ertz is double teamed for most of the time. Now, Zach Ertz has been injury plagued a lot uh, the past two seasons. He's getting kind of old, but I don't, I don't hate the idea of them trading up to get pits and maybe getting rid of Zach Ertz. Hey, that's not a terrible idea. I could definitely see Zach Ertz being involved in a draft night trade. I mean, shoot, if I'm the Falcons, I would trade back to 12, just pick swap, get a future first and take Zach Ertz. I would do that any day of the week. If I'm in Atlanta, I mean, shoot, we could even send him Julio in that trade too. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't hate, I mean, definitely don't hate that pick there. I feel like Philadelphia has got to do something here to shake up the offense there with that number 12 overall pick. Um, next kind of topic I want to cover on the first round before we get down to our last topic of the show is, so guys, there's not been, we know the running backs don't really usually go in the top 10, even the really, even the top 15 anymore in these NFL drafts. Um, Ben, where do you think that who will take the first running back in the draft? And I mean, I guess that obviously answers win, but who's taking the first running back in the draft? You know what? I think, I think the Steelers make a lot of sense. Um, just, just getting rid of James Connor. I think their starting running back as of now would be Benny Snell Jr. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They also have Anthony McFarlane and they have Jalen Samuels as well. Okay. So I mean, listen, they believe in those guys, and I don't think they take a running back. But I think they do take a running back, so I'm going to go with the Steelers. I think they pick at 27. Yeah, no, they pick they pick at uh, 20, 24 or 25, one of the two. Okay, so whatever they pick at, I think 
I think they're the first team to take a running back. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to be a homer, but I also – I just have him as my number one running back prospect. I think they take Najee Harris if they take a running back. Yeah, I actually have Najee Harris as well as my uh, as my number one running back process uh, prospect. I swear people who listen to this podcast would think me and Ben are both Alabama fans just from the way we bet on college football and the way we talked about college football all year. But I actually think there's going to be a running back go sooner than later. Like we said at the beginning of the podcast, I think there's a lot of uncertainty in the running and just in draft positions in general. I can tell you one thing for sure. If this NFL draft was back in 2006, 2000, even probably before 2015, I think Najee Harris is a top 10 pick easily in any of those drafts. I think the Arizona Cardinals, or, I mean, Kyler Murray said he has input into the draft selection process here. I think they got rid of Kenyon Drake. Exactly. I think they're going to they're going to try to st- uh, um, stock they got, up. At they the got James Conner, right? Is that where yeah, they, they did get James Conner. But I don't really think James Conner is the guy here. I think he's a little you need, overrated. You need two running backs anyway in today's Exactly. Game. Go get Najee Harris also to the Dolphins at 18. I mean, their backfield's pretty busted too. I think Najee Harris makes a lot of sense there to continue the Alabama players take a trip to Miami. It's kind of funny too because that's where Nick Saban coached. So I think we see Najee Harris go. I still think he goes inside the top 20, to be honest. Um, and that'll be my one bet I'll give out to y'all on this podcast that I'm locking in tonight. I'm locking in Najee Harris under 27 and a half. I swear, I think he goes to either of those teams or like Ben said, if he's still there to the Steelers. Also think that there's a strong possibility Pittsburgh looks at how bad their run game was last year. And that's the reason why they lost to the Browns in that playoff game and goes and gets one of these loaded offensive linemen there is in this class. Nothing to add there. I mean, listen, Najee can do it all. Very good blocker. Very good hands. Um, Pretty tough to bring down in open space. Not necessarily the quickest, but his quickness plus his size. I mean, he's a big physical running back. Um, it's just tough to bring down one-on-one. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I mean, shoot, I, I'm praying somehow that ETN goes before him and that we can somehow he can slide to Atlanta in the second round, even though I'd lose my bet, but I'd gladly lose my bet for Atlanta to have Nashi Harris in the second round, but it's probably not happening. Anyway, that's all we got for the first round. Let's just do a brief second round pick here. I don't want to get too much into the second round just because so much crazy shit's going to happen. The first round is probably all going to be wrong. Ben, who's going to be your steal of the second round? Actually, well, so before I go that, um, we, you know, obviously we only did the top 10 picks um, and I did not have Trey Lance in my top 10. So I have him going to the Chicago Bears, but I think the Bears move up to get him. Um, I just think it's right outside the top 10. Um, but listen, I wouldn't be shocked if he does go top 10. I just listen. And I have Trey Lance as my number. He's my number two prospect, but I don't think he goes that high. He just didn't play that much in college. And I, I think there's just a couple question marks for them. I think a lot of people, what they like about him is just his size and his arm strength and the fact that he can run, but I don't really think. I mean, listen, his lack of competition, whether you think that's a factor or not, like he literally played nobody in college. He started for one year, and I don't think he played a single D1 team. So I think it's just an adjustment, a learning curve that he has compared to some other guys. So that's the only thing I'll say about him. Um, In terms of second-round sleepers, so I'll I'll mention two guys because there's one that I think should go first round Mm -hmm. and has a chance to, but I'm going to go Elijah Moore. 
Okay. Um, out of Ole Miss receiver. I, I think he will go first round, but if he doesn't, I literally think you can name him as the steal of the draft. An absolute stud. Just, I mean, he worked Alabama, and it worked a lot of teams. I mean, just a guy that not a lot of secondaries could cover um, in Ole Miss's offensive scheme, a guy that's a deep ball threat, catches everything. I don't think he had very many drops. He could do it all. Speed guy, go, I mean, go deep good hands he can really do it all so if he goes first round then I'm going to stick with the wide receiver position and just like how you mentioned Jalen Waddles uh could have success because that small speedy guy has had success I'm going to go a guy that opted out in uh 2020 I'm gonna go Rondell Moore I don't know if he's going to do a lot of special teams if he does it'll be punt returning I just he might Mm -hmm. be like too small to do it like he could just get clocked if he doesn't fair catch it, I think he's a guy that if you remember how the Carolina Panthers started using um, what's their receiver's name um, that played running back and receiver. Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel. I think you could use Rondell Moore in that situation. I think he's a guy that you can get yeah. jet sweeps to a guy that can run um, in your slot, just kind of run across the field and see if anyone can keep up with him. I think he has a lot. I mean, listen, he went to Purdue which is not a football school. And from the moment he stepped on the field, he was mm-hmm. must-watch TV. And if you remember his game against Ohio State as a true freshman, yep. he get three – what, he had three touchdowns in that game or four touchdowns? He was all over the field. And I, I think he's a guy that can succeed in, this, in today's game of NFL. If you went back to when running backs were uh, kind of first-round picks back in the day, I don't think Rondell Moore would be even considered – be a first or second round pick but I think his skill set is something that teams can utilize now and I think if he goes to the right team I think he can be very very successful yeah I'm uh with you completely on that one Ben that uh, that he's going to be a freak in the NFL I mean he's a fun player to watch can make all kinds of plays up and down the field um for my guy, I'm going to go back to the last week's podcast when I was raving about my number two draft prospect I even put him in front of Travis Etienne at running back that's Javante Williams from North Carolina. I mean, this guy is huge. He loves hitting. He played linebacker when he was in high school and got moved over to, over to running back because of how freakishly fast he is. He's only going to keep on getting better. He broke 76 tackles, which ever since fro- on 156 carries, which is the highest broken tackle percentage Sheesh. ever in pro football focus history, was a part of a thousand of a double thousand yard rushing backfield. And this guy's an absolute freak. There's not many other like him. I think a team's going to absolutely steal him in the second round, and we're going to be sitting there watching him play, and he's going to be just as good as Najee Harris and any of these other guys. I think he'll be a top top five to ten running back in the entire NFL, and we're going to be sitting there saying, damn, how did he not go higher than he did? I think he'll go towards the second half of the of the of this draft. So I mean, that means he's going to get drafted by a playoff team, and I think we're going to be watching him run all over teams in early January and be like, damn, this guy's a freak. So do you think he's like when you say he's he's the most physical back? Do you think he is a guy that can have the potential of like a Dalvin Cook? Or like who like who would you kind of compare him to? Do you think he can be as successful as Dalvin was? It is. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean he's 5'10, 220 pounds. So I mean, he's just an absolute monster. I mean, I would I'd compare him to any of those beast backs. I think he's the kind of guy you give the ball. I think he likes hitting, you know what I mean? Like he's a linebacker. Like they even I mean, said Gurley that he's just, was Gurley was kind of that way out of Georgia. Yeah. Gurley was very similar to Dalvin Cook um, before his knee injuries and all that. 
No, exactly. Like, I mean, that's what they, that's what all the scouting reports say. That's what they used to say when you'd watch these games. He loves hitting. Like I remember in that Miami game, they would give the ball to Michael Carter. He'd get out on the edge and then Miami would kind of adjust their defense. And then Javante Williams would come in there and run right up the middle to run their linebackers and safeties over. I mean, if you, if you guys want to watch some tape, if you're, if you don't have anything to do tonight, go rewatch the North Carolina versus Miami game. And you'll see exactly what me and Ben are talking about. I mean, literally they've, I think they ran for like 500, 400 yards on the ground between their two running backs. I mean, just run people over, but I think he's going to be one of those freak next level running backs in the NFL. Um, no, I don't disagree. I mean, the, the, that stat about the broken tackles, is, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, him and Cam Akers are the two highest. And, I mean, we see how good Cam Akers is. He's coming in for that big sophomore season. So, pretty solid there. But, Ben, anything else for you want to say before we get up out of here? Um, if you're a betting girl or guy, be careful with the draft. I think there's a lot of uh, – I think there's a lot of enticing um, bets that you can kind of look at. Yeah. I think a lot of it's kind of smokescreen. Like this is this is an event in sports that really nobody, unless you're in the organization's war, draft war room, like you don't know what's happening. Um, I, I love to share my opinion. That's why you and I are doing the podcast. Todd McShay has been doing for ESPN for I think for close to twenty years now. Yeah, Mel Kiper's been doing it for thirty years. I mean, it seems like forever. And Mel Kiper's wrong a lot more than he's right. And he's considered the lead expert for ESPN. So it's just, I wouldn't, I think a lot of the bets are smokescreen. This is an event that you don't, you don't have to bet on this to be entertained. Like just watch and, and root for your team. And, you know, something else I hate with the draft is like the very next day, people are like, what grade did you give them? How am I supposed to know? Like, I have no idea if this guy's going to be good or not. Like I have to see him in his system. Right. So I, I hate that about the draft. I can't stand that because the guy giving out the grades has no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't. It, it is such a crapshoot the NFL draft compared to other sports drafts. So just, just relax, have fun and root for your team and hope that this person uh, can, can help your team. So that, that's all I'm going to say. Um, actually, I'll, I'll add one more thing. There's no such thing as a bust after one year. I hate that. I absolutely hate that because you can turn good. Yeah. So just because your guy doesn't help out right away does not mean he's a bust and does not mean you failed. If he's failing after three years, sure, the draft pick wasn't great. But that doesn't mean the player was a failure. It just means the player mixed with the coach and scheme, mixed with the player development, it just didn't work out. So um listen it's hard the nfl is really 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 hard no i agree with you completely on that ben also too you could be like vic beasley and look like a beast for one year and then literally not even be able to play in the nfl for the next three years after that so i mean listen aj terrell was the sixth overall pick no 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 what did the falcons draft him at like probably like i think i want to say like 17 or 20 maybe like somewhere in there 12 it was their first round pick, and he got burned a lot in his rookie year. It happens. You're facing NFL wide receivers. Give him time, Falcons fans. If he's not good after three, four years after the contract's up, okay. The pick didn't work out, right? Yeah. Give him I, time. 
I like AJ Terrell personally. So he's also on an island because whoever's corner on the other side yeah. sucks. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, and no, there's I three guys to choose from, and they all stink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Isaiah Oliver, get out of town, boy. But anyway, that's all we got for y'all. Um, like Ben said, I mean, like everyone says on TV, go turn the TV on. This draft's gonna have the most uncertainty. I love betting. You'll probably won't see me play more than three, more than five bets for the entire draft. I'm probably only gonna have one and i mean technically i'm gonna have bets that build on each day of the draft but not very many but ben i appreciate you coming on once again man this is a fun one to do yeah man thanks i can't wait to see how wrong we are maybe how right we are who knows yeah let's put it this way guys i said justin herbert was gonna be a bust look at me now i look like a complete so, idiot, did I. so. <laughs> anyway we'll talk to all y'all again soon see you guys later